Welcome in. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here and wherever you get your podcasts. I made it into work today. And not because of any weather or whatever. I mean, there was a point during last night's football game, Donovan, that I thought there was a chance that I was going to be really upset by the end of that first game. At what point was that? 21-7. Steelers are driving. Kair Elam just gets trucked by Pat Fryermuth. And then he gets a defensive pass interference call on him. And my tweet in the moment, and I'm yes, I'm calling it a tweet. What else are you supposed to call it? Because it's not a post. Is that what it is? I don't know. But my tweet in the moment, if I can find it, I probably should have been right. Oh, here it is. Um, Back-to-back no buenos by Elam. You realize how much you miss Rasul Douglas when you have to watch Elam play more. And on the next play, as if he was watching my Twitter feed during the game, Kair Elam comes up with, which was pretty much, when you look back on it, that was probably the biggest play of the game, that interception in the red zone. It was a fantastic play by Kier Elam, who's been basically a bust of a first-round pick. I was going to say, he was having a tough drive, so it It was was nice to cap it off with the punctuation of uh, the turnover. You had three defensive starters come out of the game at some point due to injury. Four be attended to due to injury. And they're also missing guys to begin with. Some of those guys were in place of guys who were already injured. So I did this. So Rasul Douglas, Tyrell Dodson, and Taylor Rapp did not play coming into the game. Guys that were making an impact before. They already were without Matt Milano and Trey White. So for those keeping track, you're missing two linebackers, two corners, and a safety. Then they lost uh, Taron Johnson, uh, Terrell Bernard, who has been fantastic, who is basically the replacement for uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who left in the offseason, Christian Benford, Balen Spector, who was filling in for Terrell Bernard, who was filling in for basically Matt Milano. And I'm looking at this team going, is anybody else going to fall? They they almost lost their punter, Sam Martin, on a blocked field goal. It felt like the perfect storm of this game is going to go badly after that blocked field goal. It's a good thing you're playing on Sunday, not Saturday. Even that, I mean. And playing at home. That part... That part is very interesting because, I mean, Patrick Mahomes never played a road playoff game outside of a neutral site game in the in the Super Bowl. Has not played a road playoff game. Which is a testament to the Kansas City Chiefs and how insane their run has been. But the Bills are banged up now. I'd be curious to see, like, uh, Bernard, they say it's an ankle sprain, so who knows? Don't know if Rasul Douglas is going to be back. Uh, Taron Johnson was evaluated for a concussion. Um, I don't know what Benford's injury was. And Bale Inspector was a back injury, and I, he may have come back into the game as well. AJ Klein filled in and did a really nice job considering he's barely played all year. Um, so that, to me, was super impressive. But at the end of the day, this was Josh Allen's 
another Josh Allen wild card moment. And he didn't have to throw for a ton of yardage, 203 yards, three touchdowns, rushed one in. That run was... so The best way somebody described it, I think it was Mike Yam actually from NFL Network. Oh, speaking of NFL Network, um, as I continue to ramble on here, uh, Andrew Siciliano, host of NFL Now on NFL Network. He will join us in the next block. Uh, we got a lot to get to with him. On the Josh Allen thing, I think it was Mike Yam. And the, the comment was, Josh Allen is built like a tank and moves like a sports car. That's kind of a, it's a pretty good analogy of what this guy brings to the table. The no turnovers thing was the key yesterday. It's funny you say that because he did switch gears on that run. Oh, it was incredible. Downshifted and upshifted once again. Was it sneaky? Was that a fake slide? Ooh, no, I'm actually going to keep running. No, I think it looked like he dropped his shoulder like he was going to take contact and then moved out of the way. That was what I... when some. I think it was Bill Cower that kind of mentioned it, funny enough. Um, I didn't see fake slide there. Think, see, Did you? I don't know what I saw. I it was watch a bit again, awkward, though. but his shoulders actually, from my vantage point, go back, like behind his torso... Which is what you do if you're going to slide into second base feet first and not maybe as much forward lowering your head as if you're going to take contact. Later in the game, he did slide and was hit and got the extra 15 yards for being contacted, which makes Josh Allen so difficult to defend because, and we saw Pittsburgh without. J.J. Watt. We just, we just watched it together. He didn't uh, fake slide. You don't think so? He looked like he almost slipped yeah, more maybe. than anything. Uh, without without uh, T.J. Watt. Um, they're going to bring pressure. They're going to blitz. Here's the thing. If you're going to blitz and you're going to leave your secondary on island, you, you better get home. Yeah. And if you get there, even if you're one-on-one, can you bring him down? And if you don't bring him down, he's viable to throw it and or run. And then once he's loose in the second level, he, he's a horse to carry. He's their best running back. He's their quarterback. Uh, that was a signature Josh Allen game. And everything is about trade-offs in life. You take the good with the bad. You you take the 12 turnovers in the six losses, but you also take the fact that he often leads your team in rushing in uh, the, I believe, 11 wins now. Um, so he, he, I, what I love is that we get a signature moment. Mm -hmm. it, this feels like a heavyweight fight to me. They're both three and three in terms of they, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, against each other. In those games, Mahomes has completed 67.8% of his passes, 334 total yards, uh, 14 TDs, 5 interceptions. Josh Allen, 60.9 completion percentage, 322 total yards, seven total, 17 total TDs, 3 interceptions. The close numbers, the difference is Patrick Mahomes is 2-0 versus Allen in the postseason. Mm -hmm. We often say, oh, it's Mahomes, and then there's this other group. This group of seven, if we want to talk about artists, group of four or five, depending on where you want to draw the line. 
if Josh Allen, I think we took Jalen Hurts out of that conversation last night. Right? Yeah, we probably did. <laughs> if if Josh Allen beats him in the postseason, I, I don't think we're saying Mahomes and this other group. I think we're saying Mahomes and Allen. I think that's how big a spot this game is for Josh Allen. And Mahomes has to come to him in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes' first road game in the playoffs. So that'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, For me, I'm going to take it one step further on that one. I I think it goes beyond just beating Patrick Mahomes. If Josh Allen is in that conversation with Patrick Mahomes, he's got to win a Super Bowl. And it's probably got to be this year. Because, I mean, we talk about the windows and how they close. The window is is going to close quite rapidly because Josh Allen's new contract kicks in at the start of next year. Here's the thing, though. They've got some pieces. They've done a, they've done a pretty good job of drafting. When you look at some of the guys that made an impact yesterday, you talk about your Greg Rousseau's. You talk about um, uh, Taron Johnson was the one who who kind of helped knock the ball out on on George Pickens on the turnover in which they scored on the next play to another guy that they drafted in Dalton Kincaid. Khalil Shakir, that touchdown, as I like to call him, Tupac Shakir, <laughs> that was incredible. But these are the types of guys that make an impact, and that has to continue in order for this window to stay open. You know who I thought had a really solid game yesterday? And it, was, it wasn't it was like his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. I thought Stephon Diggs was really good yesterday. He did his job. He he caught when the ball was thrown to him. Generally speaking, he caught it. It wasn't a, they didn't take a ton of shots down the field, but they also did not put the ball in harm's way. They were making the easier plays. Josh Allen did have to make some big throws, like the you know the Dawson Knox touchdown, the Dalton Kincaid touchdown was a great throw. But I thought Stephon Diggs was really good and he was solid, and that's what you're going to need from them going forward. James Cook had a really good game yesterday too, and. Tony Romo pointed this out on the broadcast. The difference between this team now and in years past is Josh Allen doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't have to be the leading rusher every week. He doesn't have to put the game, you know, in his hands all the time. James Cook is one of those players that when given the the ball can make something happen. I thought that Ty Johnson, even in the carries that he got, made some really big carries, especially at the end of the game when they needed the yardage. At the end of the day, though, it's one game and you got to play the Kansas city chiefs. And I don't know how healthy they're going to be. And the chiefs looked a lot better against the dolphins than they had basically the whole season. To me, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I mean, we don't need to focus on the matchup itself um, because I do want to talk about the Steelers here. And actually, before we get there, bills win by 14, but was the score line not indicative of how close that game actually was. Because as a fan, I'm, you know, I tweeted, I'm like, this isn't hell, but it feels like it's probably pretty close in my brain right now. But at no point, like the closest that the Steelers got outside of, you know, set zero, zero, seven, nothing was 11 points. And then the bills managed to, and the bills missed, a, they had a block field goal and a missed field goal. So the scoreline could have been even more. It didn't feel like that. So it felt relatively close because after the first four drives, you thought it was going to be a route. And so the fact that it wasn't a route and they were somewhat hanging around made the game feel closer than maybe it legitimately was. The interesting thing for me was Pittsburgh, when you're trying to 
get a comeback and get stops and put some points on the board. I felt like they should have been much more aggressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You needed sevens, not threes. You needed to stay on the field, possess the ball. I would have been calling third down plays as if I was going for for round fourth. I would be thinking end zone and not field goal. I, I thought you are the underdog, worthy underdog. You're now already down in a hostile environment. You have to stack the chips in your favor to be able to make the improbable comeback. You can't just go out and play ball and think you're going to make up the gap. And, and thus, uh, they didn't. Do you make anything of Mike Tomlin, who has another winning record, but another early playoff exit, ending his press conference after a question from Brooke Pryor? Really, wasn't she didn't get to the question. She didn't even get to finish. She got like six words in, seven it, words in. She started her question editorializing it by saying, you have one year left on your contract, and Mike Tomlin was off the podium. Mm-hmm. Now, it was said to the assembled media and the Steelers PR group does a really good job. This is the last question. And so Tomlin knew that there weren't going to be any others. I, I find it interesting because Tomlin also knew that that was going to be played on the national news. And it was going to be played on X. And it would be talked about on the fan checkdown. Nice work. So it's a choice not to either say, I'm not thinking about that. I'm in the moment. Have not, not, nothing on that for you. Give a real answer or just walk off and not address it. You're making a statement without making a statement. Yeah, and if I if I'm Mike Tomlin, I mean, he can't he can't go out and say this, but I'm sure he's thinking it. Yeah, I have another first round playoff exit. You know why? Because this organization hasn't gotten me a quarterback. Because you when you and and this is where you know I wanted to well, talk I mean, about. They, they did get him one. He, he wears gloves. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem. Why why he sucks. His name's Pickett. I mean, you can't really be a successful NFL quarterback with the name Pickett. But when you were talking about how they weren't aggressive, how they were going for threes instead of sevens, this is all full circle for me. This is the quarterback isn't good enough for you to be doing that. I mean, he started the year as a third stringer. He didn't play a game last year. Like, he was on the bench the entire year. He was talking about going into, like, selling insurance or something. Like, that's where the interest level was in Mason Rudolph, and now he's playing for you in a playoff game. The quarterback isn't good enough for you to be taking those chances because then the game can get away from you real quick. So you try and, you know, scratch and claw and just, you know, chip away at this big lead. And if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm, the reason why I'm not answering that question is, is I don't even know if I want to come back if you're not getting me a quarterback. Mm. Like, Kenny Pickett's not the answer. They need to get a... Like, again, the ceiling... You can win more playoff games with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback than you can with Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky. I'm pretty convinced of that. So, if I'm if I'm the Steelers organization right now, I'm having a serious conversation of, what are we doing here? There's some There's some older players on this roster... We have some younger players, but we have some older players on this roster. Are we in it to win it here, or do we need to punt Mike Tomlin and start fresh with a younger coach, you know, change the culture up a little bit? Because there's been other issues with Mike Tomlin. Like, listen, I'm the one of the biggest defenders of Mike Tomlin. 
But him not using his timeouts at the end of the second quarter, talking about being aggressive, and then uses one with two seconds left. The Bills did not have a punter, and they were second and long, and you had two timeouts left. You've got to be calling timeouts and make them make a decision. Because you could get short field, and you can get a field goal before halftime when the Bills are getting the ball at the start of the second half. That, to me, for a guy that's been coaching as long as he has, is inexcusable. So maybe there's a little bit of fatigue for Mike Tomlin with this organization too. Because there's no question. If if the Pittsburgh Steelers today come out and say, we've relieved Mike Tomlin of his duties, Mike Tomlin will have a job next week. If he wants it. If he doesn't, then that's fine. But that's where I think Mike Tomlin's head is kind of at. Like, I don't want to answer this question. I agree. He did make a statement without making a statement. Like, that's part of his frustration level as well showing there. So it's interesting. In those press conferences, you're not really talking to us. The media, the fans, the coaches don't care. You're talking to your team. Yeah. The season's over. Your team is no longer your team. Your team's going to be broken up. There is no real tangible talk to your team other than I valued your time. Thank you for your efforts. You know, this will be a special group. The same thing you say to every team every year. I spoke to a couple weeks back, Josh Harris, who covered the Steelers for a long time, author who wrote the book, uh, Tomlin, the Soul of a Football Coach. Spoke to him on Going Deep Podcast. Listen, favorite, share, subscribe to that, and go uh, get the book wherever uh, books are sold. It's a good read. It, he said about Tomlin and all the Tomlinisms, like, he's, a, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He's doing that for a reason because he's trying to send a message to his team. In this instance, because his team is no longer his team, I think he's sending a message to his organization. He's in going into the last year of his deal, hence the, the conversation. You know who doesn't go into the last year of their deal? Football coaches that you're looking to retain. You'd never bring back in sports, forget about football, a lame deck duck coach unless you don't want them. You either move on or you extend them because it becomes a story. I mean, the season was over for five minutes and it was a story. So that to me tells me contract negotiations aren't going necessarily well. Maybe the number that he sees himself at isn't what the organization sees their self at. Or some of the, the decision-making in terms of what role and responsibility will be, the amount of power he will have to dictate the things that you're talking about, isn't necessarily going so well because that's something that we baked into that conversation. So could, could Mike Tomlin, you know, one, there's lots of vacant jobs, lots of interest, not everyone's going to get Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, and or Pete Carroll, if anyone wants Pete Carroll. So can he get into this year's pool, or can he do a sabbatical, do a Sean Payton, be a media member for a year, and then come out as a hot candidate next year? I, this is all speculation. Maybe we'll ask uh, Mr. Siliano later. But the walk-off, when someone who is not shy to speak, to me, seem like there's there's more there than uh, the meets the eye. Um, let's focus our attention on the other game because we got uh, only a few minutes before we take a break. But it only deserves a few minutes. Yeah, it really does. Um, and a lot of it should be focused on the job that Baker Mayfield did yesterday: three hundred and thirty-seven yards, three TDs, and you and I talked about this off the air. He made some big boy throws yesterday. Throws that you look and go, "That's the guy that I remember us talking about." coming out of uh, Texas A&M and his rookie season where he came in in relief of, I can't remember who the, it might've been Josh McCown, but he came in in relief and set the rookie record for most touchdown passes in a year. And you're like, okay, this is the guy has the shoulder injury. All that stuff happens. 
This is a, a really nice story here. Baker Mayfield goes into the playoffs. Um, since 1995, Baker Mayfield has more playoff wins than the Cleveland Browns do, in case anybody was wondering. But I thought Tampa Bay's defense did a great job. I thought Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, did, did a really nice job of play calling. I thought that they adjusted really well. They made the Philly defense look not very good. And on the flip side, which is probably the bigger story here, is the Philadelphia Eagles are broken. And there was nothing, like, I know you're a Cowboys fan, but there was nothing better than Twitter last night watching Eagles fans and Cowboys fans argue who was worse. That, to me, was peak X Twitter, whatever the heck it is. What's the what's the answer? Well, who'd you rather? I don't know, because Jalen Hurts didn't look... Jalen Hurts is having off-season surgery here. We're, I'm pretty convinced of that. I, mean, I think he's going to have multiple. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that. and his finger. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that he's really banged up. But the telltale for me last night was when they did not convert the brotherly shove for two, for a two-point convert, although there was a face mask. But he still wasn't getting in, regardless of that face mask. And to me, that was the telltale sign that they were not winning that game. That would have made it 16-11. You get it within five, whatever. That was when it wasn't working. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have stopped the tush push not once, twice this year. Like one of the only teams that's done it. The interesting thing, and we could go a lot of ways with this. We'll touch on Philly and then give love to Tampa. That, that team is broken. Mm-hmm. First of all, does anybody want to tackle? Anybody. That, that looked like some guys, I don't like using this word, quit. I, I, I suppose. But, it, you know, we're talking about veterans. Bradbury, Slay, just running through arm tackles, taking bad angles. Like, at some point it becomes a culture thing where how did this go so poorly, so quickly? You drafted I, the entire Georgia defense. No, they forgot from college to to pro how to tackle. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make any sense. And this is remember an organization that does not spare expense. Howie Roseman gets a checkbook out and gets player after player after player, expensive player after player after player. So this is the product that Jeffrey Lurie paid for, and the shots of him in the booth. Boy, death stare. I think I think they were telling. This is a man who's not patient. Andy Reid. Best coach in the history of the organization. Brought him to a Super Bowl. Won a bunch of NFC Conference Championships. He gone. Um, Doug Peterson. Won him a Super Bowl. There's a statue of him. He gone. Chip Kelly revitalized the offense. Had an average year uh, for one year. He gone. So anybody who says, well, they were in the Super Bowl last year. You can't get rid of them. Oh, oh, can't you? Lurie has shown that he's willing to move off of someone quickly. And if you're saying the fix is, well, we're just going to remove all three of the coordinators and start anew, who who hired the coordinators? At some point, it has to be on the coach. I don't know if it's fair. There, the F in NFL doesn't stand for fair, but I think it is in play, again, with the types of names that are on the market right now, do you not think Nick Sirianni's job is in jeopardy? Because if we're doing our exit meeting and you say, Nick Sirianni, I need to know what are the problems? How do you plan to solve them? 
He had a month and a half. They tried to solve them. Matt Patricia was supposed to be a solve. It it, it didn't work, and so that's why, I, given that, and you brought up a good point before we were on air about the age of the roster. Yeah. We, we might be seeing a big reset in Philly. Well, Jason Kelsey looks like he's retiring. He retired in the middle of third quarter. Yeah. Uh, like, Lane, Lane when you're trying on a football field, yeah, it's he, over. He gone. Uh, Lane Johnson, maybe he retires. Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox, uh, Hassan Reddick. Like, there's some older guys, and I'm not saying all of them are going to retire, but like, there's some, this is an older team. You know where I think the issue was? It was bringing in Matt Patricia. The bigger issue is that Big Dom was not on the sidelines because that team went into the tank. After Big Dom was... No, I'm kidding. Wasn't the suspension lifted for the postseason? Couldn't think, he have been there? I don't think so. I thought it I was, thought it was the rest reg- of the season. Oh, I thought it was the rest of the regular season. Anyway, they went six and seven to finish... Uh, they went six of seven games with a loss to finish the season. That's that's not very good. Um, I, I A lot of people are questioning Nick Sirianni. I question the decision to bring, bring Matt Patricia in. Matt Patricia has had no success outside of New England. And even... I mean, although it was on the, the other side of the ball, I never got why they made that change. Like, talk about, you know, upsetting the apple cart, and we do have to take a, a break here. But that, to me, that was the biggest blunder. Like, why are you bringing him in midseason to call your plays? I don't disagree, but that's not why they had no answers against the Blitz. Against, I don't know, Todd Bowles, who loves to blitz. And blitzed you to death in the regular season, blitzed you to death in the postseason the last time you saw Tampa Bay when we all questioned, man, could Jalen Hurts actually be a starter? Because Todd Bowles embarrassed him. Their answer to the blitz was, we're going to throw a wide receiver screen or we're going to fake the wide receiver screen and throw a go route. Like that, Those are not answers that, that are going to work consistently. Uh, yeah, it's it's a mess in Philly. I... I, I and yeah, having said all that, I, I think the Cowboys situation might be worse. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter. Um, they needed to check to see when the Bills won their last Super Bowl. They're a Cowboys fan. So the response is obviously. Um, if you've listened to this show frequently, uh, Donovan can attest. I'm pretty sure that I've been very critical of the Buffalo Bills and their organization. Is this the year? I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. Circle the wagons. I'm circling. But my wagon's always on fire. Three wins away. <laughs> can you smell it, Marchese? The wagon burning? Yes, I can smell that. Uh, we got to take a break. When we Table come back, <laughs> Andrew Siciliano, host of NFL Now on NFL Network, will join us. Lots to get to with him. Uh, that and more when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And joining us on the line, pleased to be joined on the line. Uh, he's the host of NFL Now on NFL Network. He's Andrew Siciliano. Andrew, how are you today? Good. What's going on, guys? 
Uh, well, as a Bills fan, I'm good. I mean, I think I'm good. Huh. Weird things happen being a Bills fan. My my uh, my head is a hellscape most weeks. Um, I, the, I guess the the thing that I wanted to ask you the the biggest takeaway from from this wild card weekend because the games weren't really close. I think the average uh, margin of defeat was like 17 points. And it, it didn't really feel like that. But I guess when you look back on it, it was. What was the biggest takeaway for you? Um, I don't like it. I have to rank them. We'd be here a while. I would say, yes, the average margin victory was 17. And that includes the fact that we had a one-point game on Sunday night. So consider that when, when you do the math here. The other six games are just total blowouts. Uh, so the biggest takeaway is probably... Uh, honestly, the demise of the NFC East, I don't know if it's a takeaway. I think it's a headline. Um, the NFC East is, is the only division not playing and not represented on divisional weekend next weekend, the best weekend of the year, I think, for most people's money. So the Cowboys are gone or the Eagles are gone. Or they both flamed out in spectacular fashion. You'd see a, uh, a coaching change both places. More likely Dallas, I think, than Philly. But the Eagles are broken. I mean, the Eagles have crash-landed. They, they lost six out of seven down the stretch, and they did so in spectacular fashion um, with some finger-pointing and no answers. I mean, just they put a bad product on the field. Cowboys did as well, um, and I think we always have to, at this point of the season, when the Cowboys flame out, look at ourselves and say, why do we keep going through this? Why do we keep... And I don't mean Mike McCarthy, but why do we keep feeding the beast and promoting a product here that, that generally um, has done nothing for the last 30 years when it comes to January? Yeah, NFC least for sure. I mean, I think it's odd to think that the Giants might have the most, um, you know, continuity when it comes to coaching, given I mean, the, that they're Yeah, the mess. Giants may be the only team with, with, with a head coach back. Think about that. Yeah, it, it's wild. When you talk about Philly and Dallas, Two very different owners in terms of how they view things and maybe their level of, of patience uh, for things. Given that, if there is a change, where do you see a, a potential marriage based on the coaches that are available? With which one? Both. I mean, the Eagles, I have no idea. I, I don't know that they're necessarily going to do anything, um, but they got to look themselves in the mirror and, and ask his Nick Sirianni they got to fix it because clearly they miss both coordinators. Um, badly, Shane Steichen, obviously now in Indianapolis, and uh, Jonathan Gannon in, in Arizona. So, how do you replace him? And are the guys that you bring in do they have the answers? Um, in in Dallas, there's a lot of talent there. Um, there's a reason Will McClay, the I, I call him the shadow GM. Jerry has the GM title. Stephen obviously has personal power as well. But the guy that truly does does the scouting, the drafting does the draft board. Will McClay keeps getting GM interviews and he stays there every year. Um, there is a personnel structure in place. They have good talent and they find ways to lose. I, I'm not anti Mike McCarthy, but we've seen this movie for four years and it's the same movie. I, I would say, go get Bill Belichick. If you think Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones can coexist, I would say, go get Mike Vrabel. Um, but I would say they were running it back. And again, no one is sitting here rooting for people to lose their jobs. We're rooting for families and, and kids, although Mike McCarthy's older, his kids are older, to be relocated. That's the, the human part of this that I think a lot of fans forget at this time of year. But you've seen the movie for four years. It's the same movie. I, I don't know why you expect a different ending. Andrew, 
the question about, um, you know, in Dallas is, you know, part of it is the quarterback. And, and I think we can have the same conversation in Miami. Um, you know, the, the Miami owner, uh, Stephen, Ro- actually, no, it was, it was Chris Greer that said it. it was the GM, not the owner. And he says he wants to around long term. And, and what I saw, you know, whether be aside, I saw Tua play not very good against very good teams over the course of this season. And to me, that's very problematic, especially when you're just beating up on bad teams. If I had to give you the choice, and if the, if age and money were the same conversation, we're talking about just in terms of talent and who you think you can win with, who would you rather have, Tua or Dak Prescott? I would rather have Dak, but look, all, all the quarterbacks, all of these conversations um, they start and end with the quarterback. Like, okay, Bill Belichick to Atlanta. Great. Defensive talent. Skill positions. Check, check, check on offense. But who's the quarterback? If I'm Arthur Blank, I don't hire Bill Belichick unless we have an answer for quarterback. But if you look around, and this goes to Dallas, to Miami, even to Chicago as well, the question is not necessarily the coach, but what do you do this offseason with the quarterback's contract two will be heading into year five they've already picked up the fifth year option it's worth 23 million dollars they have to make a decision they punted on this decision last year do we extend in dallas Dak prescott's cap number is like 54 million next year the contract was written to be redone this offseason so whoever the coach is you have to decide do we extend him for another 150 million guaranteed? Guaranteed. And in Chicago, everybody wants to make it this binary decision: Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. But in reality, you have to ask. Now that we head into year number four on Justin Fields, this is the summer, much like with Burrow and with Herbert last year, that Justin Fields is open for negotiation and extension. Are you ready to commit $40 million a year for Justin Fields? And if you are, good, go for it. But it, it's really an economic question. People say, oh, I would rather take Justin Fields. Okay, but you now have to commit financially to him. Or you could potentially do what the Dolphins did, which is pick up the fifth-year option and kick it down the road for a year if you really need to see more. It's the contracts that really dictate everything here. I love that you brought it to quarterbacks because when I look at the team still playing, uh, the quarterback narratives are so fascinating. Obviously, you've got Mahomes who you know, is really chasing the goat uh, while playing. you got two up-and-coming, really MVP talents who, who their playoffs have been in question in Lamar and, and Josh Allen. You have two first-round uh, picks that are finding their way in the first time in Stroud and Love. And then you got two guys who were first-round picks who were really rehabbing their careers with new organizations in Baker Mayfield and, and Goff. And then you're just Mr. Irrelevant in Brock Purdy. Like, something for everyone. The, the QB story that you find the most fascinating you think we're going to be talking about throughout the weekend and into next week is what? Oh, man. Um, I love the Jerry Goff story. Um, I, you know, I think the the Brock Purdy story is what it is. We've told it plenty of times and, and look, they have a great team. They have home field advantage and now it is set up for them. Um, you know, I think the Rams were a tough out. The Lions are certainly a tough out. Um, 
you know, but I don't know that the Packers necessarily are. I love Baker's story. I'm going to root for the underdog. He was still the number one overall pick. Much like Jared Goff, you got two former number one overall picks who are kind of cast as underdogs here in Goff and Baker Mayfield, which which is is fascinating. And then Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, we finally get the game in Buffalo. Um, I've spent all morning trying to, you know, blocked Steelers fans from claiming Josh Allen was fake sliding. He wasn't fake sliding. Get over it. You guys can't tackle. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we advanced the divisional weekend. Uh, I love that you said that um, because I was watching it too because Donovan brought it up. He said, oh, do you, maybe he fake slid. And I was like, I look, he actually looked like he slipped more than he fake anything. Like it looked like there, there, there's no – there's there's no slip. There's uh, check out my Twitter. I, I'm not trying to just drive followers here, but there is. Uh, I think Bill's media or local reporters there. They, there there's a sideline angle. It, it's a head fake. There, there is no fake slide. Oh, now, a little, little hezzy, a little been, hesitation <laughs> dribble. A, a hesitation and a head fake isn't a fake slide. Is not putting your feet forward and putting your shoulders behind your feet and falling on your butt. Those are two vastly different things. Now it is a different conversation. If you want to have a different conversation about the rules for defenders and protecting the quarterback and how defenders are put in a very difficult position. I'll have that conversation because that's a legit conversation, but Josh Allen didn't fake slide. Well, yeah. Full I, stop. Also, Kenny Pickett fake slided two, three years ago at Pitt. They changed the rule in college football and then Pickett bragged about it on Twitter. Look, I changed the rule. That was a fake slide. Which, put those videos side by side. They're vastly different, which is why Steelers fans specifically can't complain. <laughs> yeah, it's rich. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to take a shot at all Steelers fans. I, I get it. Your team lost like any team. Look, there there were six games this weekend. There are six fan bases that have a gripe with officiating somehow because we as fans always want to go to that card. I get play that card. I understand. I, I don't think there is a, a gripe there on on the, uh, the Josh Allen 52-yard touchdown run. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Andrew Siciliano is our guest, your host of NFL Now on NFL Network. I wanted to ask you this question because it's something that Donovan and I have had this conversation, whether it pertains to the preseason, whether it pertains to uh, going into the playoffs, but the rest versus rust thing. And when you look at the teams that won, that were battle tested, you look at um, Houston over Cleveland. Cleveland rested all their guys in week 18. Houston has been battling basically all season for a playoff spot and they end up winning the division, get a home game. Uh, the lions played their guys in the last week because they wanted to get a higher seed. Uh, and the Rams did not play a, a bunch of their starters in the final game. Um, the bucks over the Eagles Eagles have been kind of home and cooled in a playoff spot where the bucks haven't. And then the Packers who have basically been playing playoff football for the last seven weeks over the Cowboys, who again, another team that's been home and cool. Is there something to be said about being battle tested and having some sort of momentum going into the playoffs? Or do you think it's, you know, it's a one week thing and anything can happen? Um, yes. And yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think momentum matters. I think health matters as well. Um, yeah. The Eagles played their guys. And I think they would have appreciated having A.J. Brown yesterday. Go back to the Chargers last year where Brandon Staley stubbornly kept everyone in a game that truly meant nothing. Week 18 in Denver. And they didn't have Mike Williams. Would have loved to have had him in Jacksonville when they blew a 27-3 to lead. Um, you know, we could say that the Browns rested all their guys. Uh, guys, uh, the Browns were down to their fifth and sixth offensive tackles. And that finally caught up to them against a very good team. They didn't have Grant Delpit and Anthony Walker. Uh, that caught up against a very good team. 
um, in the Houston Texans. So I, I am all for health. Um, I work with the Rams and, and have for a long, long time here um, doing their preseason television. And, and and Sean McVay would rather not put guys on a plane in the preseason. He's concerned about them tweaking a back on a flight than actually have them play in a preseason game. So um, I am all for health and rest. Um, yes, momentum matters. I totally get it. But, um, you know, I I am for health. And so that that's where I come down on that one. What I love about this time of year is we have the wild card super weekend and teams look really good and we fall in love with them. And then in the divisional round, we remember, oh, yeah, the teams with a bye, like, yeah, they're really good. And they had a bye for a reason. Maybe that's less of a thing now that only two teams overall have a bye. But if there is a team that's an underdog in this week that you think can go on a run and make this thing interesting, who would it be? Wait, wait. A team that had a buy, or a team in general? No, a, a, a team uh, in general. One of the lower seeds. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't give the Packers much of a shot um, in San Francisco. I, you know, I guess you could say the Texans, maybe, but winning in Baltimore. Um, only one team has done it this year. That was the Browns. Um, you know, the Browns are the only team in the postseason here that actually had beaten both number one seeds. So I would say them, but they're out. I think C.J. Stroud is legit, and he's going to give the Ravens fits, absolute fits. But I think Baltimore, again, going with the rest here, um, they're not going to lose at home. Um, you know, if the Lions beat the Bucks, I, I am excited for the Lions' chances in San Francisco. Let's put it that way. But, again, we're talking about it was chalk across the board. There is only one wild card team still standing, and that's the Packers. So we're talking about division winners here across the board. There, there, there are no fake teams left here. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Casey. It was a very impressive win over the Dolphins, and this has been a, a much maligned team, especially offensively. Defensively, they've been great. Offensively, we've seen the ups, which haven't been very many. We've seen the downs, which feels like there's been a lot of it over the course of the season, but it looks like they had figured something out. I know they put the ball on the turf a lot. You know, Travis Kelsey had a few drops, which is very un-Travis Kelsey. Like, maybe you blame the weather, whatever. But they looked a lot more cohesive. They looked a lot more fluid in that game. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs right now, have they maybe kind of figured or refigured this out at the right time here? Or do you need to see a little bit more against maybe a, a better defense like the bills? Although we don't even know who's going to be playing for Buffalo on defense, but is, is that kind of the measuring stick or did you see enough from that game against Miami? where are going, no, this, this team looks like they are not back, but kind of back. I think they're back, but I, I don't know back to what uh, they, they haven't, blown anyone out of the building this year. They've been a very good team in, or a good team in a division that never lived up to the preseason hype, you know? Um, well, the preseason hype was a lot bigger last year than it was this year, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, they're back, but it is back championship level? I'm not sure. Their defense is certainly playing well, and Patrick Mahomes and Isaiah Pacheco made the plays when they needed to make the plays. The Dolphins' entire defense was out. I actually thought if Miami ran the ball, maybe controlled some clock, you know, maybe maybe didn't let the weather affect them, that they would keep that game close. I picked the Dolphins to win. I, I thought that they would go in there and run the ball truly 
and stun some people didn't happen. Um, I, I think Mahomes will embrace the challenge of playing on the road. Um, but listen, guys, so much of this is health related. Like to Terrell Bernard and and, and Taron Johnson likely out. Um, that is massive for a defense that has already lost Matt Milano and Trey White and Jordan Phillips. You know, those those are all huge. And and so much of this is attrition at this point. The Chiefs defense is a little healthier, but I'm not gonna not gonna go against Josh Allen at home here. Unless obviously, of course, it's it's last year in the postseason and I digress. I'm sorry, Bill Strays, but you get my point. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the Chiefs and for me the biggest thing between them last year and this year Travis Kelsey, like as much as we've made of the drops from wide receivers, he's had drops issues as well. Is it thus the attrition of him playing that position for so long? Is it you know small sample size of, of a bad year? What have you made in the drop of what has been Mahomes' security blanket? I mean, he's not getting any younger. I think the whole offense is kind of sort of broken. Um, Rasheed Rice has finally turned it on of late. It, it takes time. They do miss Tyreek Hill, truly. Um, but you know, Travis Kelsey isn't, isn't, you know, a superhero. He's going to drop a couple of passes here. I, 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 you know, please, if any morons blame Taylor Swift, just turn them off, please. Um, thank you. Just, just please just stop. Um, I'm not saying you guys are that though, those people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Travis Kelsey's getting up there, but I, I wouldn't in any way suggest that his play has fallen off to the point where he's not a highly effective player and, and, and any defense and Sean McDermott will tell you this. Um, has to, you know, when they start their meetings game week against the Chiefs, put him on the board first and say we stop him first and then we worry about everything else. Yeah, it's funny how even in a, you know, what would be considered a, an off year for Travis Kelsey, had he played all the games, is probably at like 1,100 yards and that's an off year for him. It's pretty crazy. Sure. Um, exactly. Andrew, Andrew, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Greatly appreciate it and uh, enjoyed the conversation. All the best and uh, enjoy the rest of the week and the games this weekend. You got it, guys. Take care. There he goes, Andrew Siciliano, host of NFL Now on NFL Network. I want to get to this because we haven't really had a chance to do this. Um, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. First playoff victory in 30-plus years. Jared Goff was awesome, 22 of 27, 277 yards, the one touchdown. Um, Matthew Stafford was pretty good in that game, too. And it was, you know... It started out like gangbusters, and we really thought that it was going to be like a 35, 31, 30, whatever the score game, and it didn't end up being that. It ended up being close, and I'm very happy for Detroit Lions fans. For someone who has cheered for a sad sack organization for so long, um, I know what that feeling is like, and I know a couple of Lions fans, and I felt really good for them. I felt really good for Jared Goff and Dan Campbell as well, because... Jared Goff was the castaway in the deal that brought Matthew Stafford to LA and LA got their, their flowers because they won a Super Bowl. Jared Goff was great. And Dan Campbell, you know, I saw a, an excerpt from an article that someone had written and it was about Dan Campbell and talking about like why he, why Detroit was so attractive to him. And he's like, they've been the butt of everybody's joke. And, you know, we want to go in there and teach toughness. And I, I think there's a great story to be had there. Dan Campbell was made fun of too. He was like, oh, what's this guy doing? Well, Dan Campbell's won a playoff game now. And the Detroit Lions are no longer, you know, the sad sack organization that everybody thought they they were. And Brad Holmes is another guy. Left the Rams to go there. He started as an intern with the Rams. And now he's the GM of the Detroit Lions who just knocked them out. Like, this is all around 
a really feel-good story. And I'm very happy for the Rams, very happy for Jared Goff and that group. There's a lot of guys that who were who were considered, you know, not good enough to go in certain spots and whatever. I think the Lions are a fantastic story. They gave out two game balls. And one was to Jared Goff, and Dan Campbell, you know, said, you know, Detroit effing wants you. And the other was to Brad Holmes, who, to your point, in 2003 was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, trying to get into the NFL. He lands a PR internship, not close to football, with the Rams. 18 years later, he works himself up to be their GM in this spot. And so in that draft room, when you see a guy screaming Going nuts. That's the GM. That's Brad Holmes. He's got the same energy. People maybe have questioned some of those draft picks, but they drafted for grit, which they needed. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, um, Sam Laporta. Yeah, like the, it's a you know Amara what? St. Brown. Like they 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 have a bunch of tough dudes on that team, and they they built a culture the right way. It's kind of representative of the city, right? Hundred percent. And that's what I I think that's so important. And you know, you talk about you know not to turn this into the Bills thing, but that was kind of what the Bills needed too. And Josh Allen's kind of the epitome of that. And the and the Lions have those guys, right? And and I think that's super important. And Dan Campbell, to me, is like the epitome of that. I know he's not from Detroit, but he feels like Detroit, doesn't he? Oh, he coveted and wanted that job. He's from Texas, but he wanted the Detroit Lions job. Yeah, and that to me is is, is great. I, I love the story. You know me. I'm a big fan of Dan Campbell's. I, I thought, you know, what do we talk about winning the press conference, the opening press conference? It doesn't mean anything. Well, he lost it. But he lost it. He's winning games now. And, and we've seen lots of coaches win the press conference and don't win squad after. What a time in the Motor City. Red Wings going. Lions, we won't, we won't mention the Pistons. Though. Or the Tigers. But hey, the Lions are really good. And they're going to play the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No slight against the Buccaneers, but I don't think that the Detroit Lions could have asked for a better matchup. Boy, oh boy, this is going to be... Could you imagine a Buffalo-Detroit, like the blue-collar Super Bowl? Tickets would be through the roof. It would be incredible. Uh, That's it for us today. Um, Tomorrow, Adam Rank, NFL Network, Weekly Insider. He'll join us. Uh, Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table, and thanks to all of you for listening. This has been the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese signing off on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.